0: Okie okay, dokie, let's move on to our Bible study this morning. Uh, we're looking at creation and time, and a particular a, a particular part of time. What's one of the ways that people have recorded time over the years?
1: Well, okay, there's, time. There's
0: many different ways that people have recorded.
1: Yeah, and, and pretty much time is, is, well, there's a number of different ways of, of, of calculating time, but the primary ways of calculating time, obviously, is the rotation of the earth. Indeed. Um, so your 24-hour period. Um, How do you calculate that? How do you break that 24-hour period down has varied from one culture to another. Then you have months and then you have years. One of the most interesting uh, aspects of the calculation of time has been the way in which uh, the weekly Sabbath has become a part of the world. And so the seven-day weekly cycle, of course, is universal around the world. And where did that originate from? The creation story. That's right. It, it originates in the Bible. It doesn't originate anywhere else. It doesn't originate from. You know, we know where we get the data from. We know where we get the moon. The, the sorry, the month from. We know where we get the year from. We know where we get the four seasons from. But where does the seven day weekly cycle come from? Creation. That is the Bible. Indeed.
0: Now, when I was at school, one of the whenever we did history class, the thing that we always tended to look at uh, as a record of time was a timeline. That's right. and Chronologies. Indeed. And another version of a timeline, particularly looking at chronolo- chronologies, is family trees. Yes. Have you ever done your family tree? I haven't. Oh, yes and no. Okay. I've done like my immediate family tree, but my great uncle, who is incredibly great, he has done up a whole... We, we we've, I think we've mentioned this before, but he's done a yes, whole... Yes, we did, we did. ...a whole... Many, many, uh, many, many uh, generations uh, that includes me. My name is in a book that uh, has it. It's it's fantastic. So I don't really need. You're to. in print, Liam. There I, you go. I am indeed. You I'm, don't need to do the work; that's already been done for you. I've been published. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I'm very interested in, in family history and looking yeah. at back at all the at, at who w- you know where it all started and who the, the children that were had by each. Children and children and, and grandchildren and so on and f- so forth Fascinating uh,
1: um, It fascinates me, yeah You Go back to some famous ancestors back in the past And some infamous ancestors I think we've all got a few of those I've got one that was hung, drawn and quartered um, One that was um, sailed against the Spanish Armada Yeah, it's always, good, it's always good fun Yeah Okay, and the Bible has this it's, so The Bible's got this too Genesis chapter 5 Genesis chapter 5 Who's going who's to have a crack at this? <laughs> this is, this is going to be fun this is going to be fun. Do you want me to have a crack? Or should we take a verse each? Uh, we'll take a verse each. Can I just... Right, you, you, can you, I just start or
0: maybe rather than a verse each, a, a, a person each. Um, I must say that this isn't the only section in the Bible where chronology is, is mentioned. No, there's a bunch of them. It is. Um, this is actually something that is not uncommon in the Bible. No, the, my favorite chronology that is, you know is fast-paced, easy to read, or relatively
1: easy to read, is Matthew's account of of uh, abraham to jesus okay so abraham to jesus through jesus earthly father yes unlike luke's account which goes through his earthly mother yes yes um so yeah
0: but but here we're going we're getting to abraham so you you kick us off with adam and then uh, we'll, we'll go on from there
1: okay this is the book of the generations of adam in the day that god created man in the likeness of god He made him male and female. He created them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and gave birth to a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. I get the easy one. Oh, you want to keep going? Okay, all right, I'll keep going. You tell me when to stop. And the days of Adam after he had given birth to Seth were 800 years and he gave birth to sons and daughters. All right, and all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died.
0: All right, and then we move on to Seth. When Seth was 105 years old, he became the father of Enosh. After the birth of Enosh, Seth lived another 807 years, and he had... Other sons and daughters, Seth lived 912 years,
1: and then he died. And Enos lived 90 years and gave birth to Canaan. And Enos lived after he gave birth to Canaan 815 years and gave birth to sons and daughters. And all the days of Enos were 905 years, and he died. When uh, Canaan was 70 years old, he became the father of
0: Mahalalel. (laughs) Now, here's where it gets interesting. After the birth of Mahalalel, Canon lived another 840 years and he had other sons and daughters. Canon lived 910 years and then he died.
1: And Mahalalel lived 65 years and gave birth to Jared. And Mahalalel lived after he... Gave birth to Jared, eight hundred and thirty years, and gave and had sons and daughters, and all the days of Mahalil were eight hundred and ninety-five years, and he died. You know, we could go keep going on here. We could. We? Let's just. Yes. I think
0: I think everybody's starting to get the point. We. I'll skip down to the last one though. Okay. Um, when Lamech was eight, 182 years old, he became the father of a son. Lamech named his son Noah, for he said, "May he bring us relief from our work and the painful labor of farming this ground that the Lord." Has cursed. After the birth of Noah, Lamech lived another 595 years and he had other sons and daughters. Lamech lived 777 years and then he died. By the time Noah was 500 years old, he was the father of Shem, Ham, and Japheth.
1: Okay, so we've got a really interesting um, chronology right here. It's one of those parts of the Bible when, you know, I've often met people who have sat down to read the Bible. And they're like, yeah, I'm gonna read the Bible. I've never read the Bible before, so they start in the beginning like you do with any kind of book. And they start reading Genesis, and that's kind of interesting. And 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 chapter one, two, three, four, and they're doing alright. And then they hit this and they're like, what on earth is going on? Just here? confusion going everywhere. And it's kind of one of those points in the Bible where a lot of people often actually stop reading because it's just like, why is this here? Okay, so what we have here is is a genealogy, but it's not just a genealogy, it's also a chronology, chronology. and so this is what you call a genealogy. because a just it does not just give you, you know, this person gave birth to this person, gave birth to this person, it actually gives you the chronology that goes with it, and so you can do a family tree, and you can have a whole list of names on that family tree, and that's a genealogy. If you then attach dates to those names, then you have a chronogenealogy. And this is what we find recorded for us here in the Bible.
0: You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different.
1: Okay, so when we look at this chronogenealogy that we have, that is given to us here in Genesis uh, chapter 5, what we find is that you have a system where the. The genealogies are interlocked. It's an interlocking system. And we have to stop and ask ourselves why the question, why did why did Noah write it? Sorry, why did Moses write it this way? And as we noted yesterday, when Moses wrote about the greater light and the lesser light and used the words greater light and lesser light to describe the sun, there was a very important reason why he was doing that. He was differentiating the creation story from the pagan stories that existed around him. And he was um, showing that you know the greater light and the lesser light they were created by God rather than being God. when we come to this one here, once again you have a situation where you know Moses is a prophet and because he is a prophet and he's able to understand the future and because he is inspired by God and God does understand the future. It's almost like as if one of the two of them, and you know God in particular, has sat down and gone, okay, now, here's what we're going to have. We're going to have a problem at the end of time where people are going to doubt the Bible. We're going to have a problem at the end of time where they're going to be like, yeah, well, you know, the Bible is talking allegorically, and you don't take any notice of the first seven chapters of the book of Genesis, or the first ten chapters, or whatever it is that you want to uh, cut it off at, and you just take broad spiritual stories from that, um, and they're going to say, you know, nothing, nothing previous to, you know, chapter ten or whatever can be taken literally in the Bible, and these are these are concepts we hear all the time. Indeed, we often hear them even in our classrooms, and that's an abomination. That should not be the case. However, what Moses has done here is write such an, an interlocking chrono that it's almost like he states the same truth three times. It's almost like he's like, okay, how can I write this down in the, in the plainest possible way so that nobody can ever misunderstand what the passage is all about? And so here's the format. The format is, um, it starts with person one. When person one had lived X amount of years, he fathered person two. And person one, after he fathered person two, lived Y amounts of years. And so if you add X and Y together, you get his entire lifespan. Then it gives you um, the fact that he fathered other sons and daughters. So it's only, it's, it's only going with the, uh, the son that receives the birthright. And then, just in case you missed it, or even because he knows that some people are less mathematical than others and he's going to save them on their mathematics, he adds this phrase. And all the days of person one were Z, amount of years. And so there are three time lengths that are given in relationship to each person. There is the length of time the person lived before they had their birthright child. The length of time they lived after their birthright child, and the length of time they lived in total.
0: I actually think this is really interesting because you get a bit of an idea of how old they were when they were when they became parents, and how long they lived after that. And and as we as we get into the next sort of passage, we we read also we got to take into account the the events that have happened since then, um, which I'm sure we will get to. But we read how how times change and how. It all changes. Like in, in, the, in Chapter 5, it's quite consistent of where people are living, uh,
1: you know, uh,
0: 900 plus years.
1: Yeah, that's right. 900 plus was the, uh, was the going age back in the day. We might say it's 80 plus these days. Back then it was 900 plus. But
0: the the one name that I will just come back to that we didn't read is um, Enoch. Uh, Yeah, Enoch. When Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. After the birth of Methuselah, Enoch lived in a close fellowship with God for another 300 years, and he had other sons and daughters. Enoch, uh, Enoch lived 365 years, walking in close fellowship with God. Then one day, he disappeared because God took him. Yes. So this is the only person that doesn't make it to over... Well, over seven hundred fifty because there's uh, Noah, right. Noah's father was seven hundred. Well, he's kind of
1: made it to like six thousand odd so far. Yeah, uh, because he was translated to be in heaven with God. Okay, so let's um, let's let's look at something else here that's interesting. What's this one here in uh, verse eighteen? Jared lived one hundred and sixty-two years and gave birth to Enoch. So his uh, his Birthright child who was Enoch comes 162 years down the track. Liam, are you planning to wait until you are 162 years old before you have children? No, I'm (laughs) I'm certainly not. (laughs) Should we, okay, so here's an interesting question: Should we find it unusual that the antediluvians live such long lifespans? Probably not. Probably not, and I'm going to I'm going to expound on that thought a little bit because one of the things that does jump out in the genealogies. So the first thing that jumps out in the genealogies is that Moses has written an interlocking genealogy, so there can be no mistake that he is writing a literal genealogy as it was. And so that people can, he's he's making it as absolutely as hard as possible for anybody to take this passage allegorically, and to just simply affine, assign long periods of time. He's making it as historical as is possible. Uh, okay, so when we uh, when we come to the long lifespans, and we ask ourselves the question, okay, is this is this something that we would find? As being unexpected. Now, if we go back through the fossil record and we look at the environment in the world before the flood, there's a very good um, model for that environment as being a paradise model. And it's the model that I ascribe to because the model that I find in the Bible. And so basically, what you've got is this when sin comes upon the world, sin came upon a perfect world. And sin's effects degrade the world, and our world has been degrading ever since. We can see that around us right now the degradation that sin causes on our world. And so, if you simply reverse that equation, you go back to paradise. And in paradise, you can imagine a set of circumstances where it would be much, much easier. And there's some really great, you know, antediluvian models. Uh, that explain how a human being could easily live to be 900-plus years old in a different kind of environment. Okay, but let's just look at the fossil record. You come from North Queensland. I do indeed. You have uh, crocodiles in North Queensland? (laughs) We we do indeed. How big do they grow?
0: Um, I think there was one that was recently, unfortunately, shot, and he was... Six or seven metres.
1: There's a decent-sized
0: crocodile. Without a doubt. Have you ever seen one that big? I've never seen one that big. Okay. Um, I've seen one in captivity that was three, four metres.
1: Yeah, and um, when you see one up close that's about yeah, that oh. size, that's, that's not something you want to come across no, when um, you are swimming oh, across a river. Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're pretty phenomenal creatures, though. Okay, so guess how big uh, crocodiles were before the flood, in the pre- pre-flood world, before the flood, I I would have a guess to say that the crocodiles were over ten meters. Go with twelve. Twelve, yeah. That's forty feet. They weigh eight tons. All right, let's uh, let's think about uh, scorpions. Ever seen a scorpion? Do you have uh, scorpions up there in North Queensland? oh uh, we do. You do? If yeah. you go How out to big the, are
0: they? they're oh they're, they're very small ones. Okay, the ones that I've seen, uh-huh. they, they're smaller than the palm of your hand,
1: sort of uh-huh. a thing. Um. So yeah, they're up there. But well, before not- the flood, they had ones that were uh, two and a half meters long. Yeah, you have dragonflies up there in, in uh, <laughs> We do indeed. Dragonflies are some of the most gorgeous creatures in
0: the world. And, they, and, and, and saying big- that, They they do get pretty decent sized. Right. Um, they, they probably the biggest one I've seen is as big as the the from the tip of my if I stretch my hand out, the
1: wingspan was as. Big as the tip of my pinky to the tip of my th- yeah, thumb. That's a massive dragonfly, absolutely spectacular, and of course, it's in a tropical paradise like that that you get the bigger animals. Indeed, um, you don't get them that big down here in the south. But um, before the flood, they were only about one meter across the wingspan. Oh yeah, only one meter. Yep. Uh, goannas, you got any goannas up there? We we have a few of them down here. We do. We We've got, got, got plenty specific, of plenty of goannas. Yes. Yeah. How big? Uh, The goannas up there I don't think they're as big up there As they are down here Okay so we get them what One and a half metres down here Yeah
0: I think like They do get big Uh Up there But typically on average They're about
1: Between half a metre and a metre Okay so try a goanna That is seven metres long That's bigger than any of the crocodiles You have up there (laughs) That's that's big goanna And then of course uh, We had kangaroos That were three metres tall Wombats We just had a discovery of Wombats Of kangaroo fossils Yeah we did one that's the size of a hippopotamus before the flood.
0: You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different.
1: Okay, so how how hard is it for you to wrap your head around you know a scorpion that's two and a half meters long? It's it's pretty difficult. If if you read that in the Bible, let's say you read that in the Bible, but you never found anything like that in the fossil record, would you? would it Would it give you the feeling that the Bible was credible on that? Yeah, I'd say so. okay, that's 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 because you believe the Bible. Let's say that you're a secular person because a lot of secular people, when they read the Bible and they read the length of the genealogies, they're like, well, that's not credible. But if we talked about a scorpion that was two and a half metres long and recorded that in the Bible, but it had never been found in the fossil record, then they would also say, well, that's not credible because, you know, scorpions are like, you know, 25 millimeters long or maybe 100 millimeters long for a big one, depending on where you are. And yet we have found those big scorpions, you know, in the fossil record. And so if the fossil record carries things that we find it hard to imagine, Creatures from the past that we find it hard to imagine, then why is it so hard to imagine lifespans that are nine hundred plus years? It's a good question. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's one that you know uh, a lot of a lot of um, skeptics would do well to ponder, because to argue against these long lifespans is simply to argue. Based on zero evidence, we have zero evidence that, you know, apart from the scriptures, of course, that they, uh, that they were that long, but we have zero evidence that they weren't. And, you know, we, we simply look at what we have in our world today, and by using what we have in our world today, what is observable today, we have to recognize our limitations, um, okay, so when we go back to the, the world before the flood, we find that it was a fantastic world. It was an incredible world. Indeed. It was one that, you know, we can't even begin to imagine. And we've just, we've just even only just started to list, you know, just a couple of highlights how big, of some of the megafauna that existed before the flood. How big were, were humans back then? Okay, so if you were to scale humans up, based on the way that you would scale some of these creatures up. In fact, if you you take a human as a mammal and scale it up as far as other mammals were scaled up, a human would have stood uh, probably your average female about 12 feet tall, your average male about 14 feet tall, thereabouts. Um, So that's a decent-sized human being. Um, and if you're going to look at, you know, think of the, the calculating power of a brain that big, you would have had human beings that were exceedingly intelligent and were able to advance themselves in knowledge and technology and science so much faster than what human beings have been able to do today. We have been able to counteract it in our day by information technology. But they didn't need that information technology back then because they had access to it right there in their head at that very moment. And they could just, you know, that, this, is, this, is the, this is the paradise flood, uh, pre-flood model that we're working on and some of the observable evidence that we have for it. So, yeah, and it's not hard to imagine a human being of that size also having much greater longevity, than what we have today. And of course, you know, you still get the uh the odd giant who turns up these days, nothing like that size, of course. But the Bible talks about giants as being quite common back in the day. Not uncommon at all. It was just there were giants around the place and that's how it was. There you go. And of course that would have been, you know, a carryover from those that lived before the flood and you know you go from the, those that come after the flood and you've got Shem and Arphaxad and Selah and Eber and Peleg and Ruah and Serag and Nahor and Terah and Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, you're working your way down through those generations and you're finding that the lifespans are getting shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter and shorter until you get to, to uh, Jacob's descendants and it comes back to the three score and ten which is 70 years as an average lifespan and modern technology has stretched that out a little bit but not significantly and then you get Moses who, who, I guess, trumped them all a bit and lived 120 years. Yes, that's right. Lived 120 years and had no signs of old age by the time he reached 120 years. There you go. He did, he did pass away at that age, but he was certainly doing well for his age.
0: The other thing that uh, I think we should notice is that, uh, take for example, um, Abram or Abraham's grandfather. He was 29 years old when he gave birth to well, when his wife, pardon, wife gave birth to his son. Yes. to his son so the age is they're a, starting to have children it's a lot younger. more common with with the age that we've got in
1: in our days that's right so as the ages as the ages shortened the time frame in which they would give birth was also shortened as well um, and so they're having children at a much younger age because well they kind of needed to that was the way it was yeah. Anyway, let's go to let, let's let's we've we've done some fascinating discussion here on genealogies, um, chronogenealogies. Let's go to First Timothy chapter one. First Timothy chapter one, and we're going to look at a statement here by Paul. He actually speaks about this in a couple of places, and we need to ask ourselves the question: Is the Bible contradicting itself? Because we find genealogies are a major part of the Bible, chronogenealogies in particular, that are giving you a chronology. For the various people who lived, which gives you a chronology for the world, places the age of it, age of our world, at around the six thousand year mark. Uh, so these are unbelievably important for us to understand, and um, because they, you know, they give us a, gene- a chronology for the Bible. But what does Paul say? Is he contradicting? the evidence that we find in Scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 4. Don't
0: let them waste their time in endless discussion of myths and spiritual pedigrees. These things only lead to meaningless speculations, which don't help people
1: live a life of faith in God. Okay, so here they're having a discussion about, yours says spiritual pedigrees, and mine says neither give heed to fables and endless genealogies. Uh, which minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith. So do. Okay, so here Paul speaks about. Okay, don't be, but don't be spending time over endless genealogies. Any idea what he's talking about? He's,
0: well, I'd, I'd imagine that he's talking about the genealogy. He, he, I think he could be talking about the genealogies
1: that we've just been discussing. Okay, and if he is, then the Bible is contradicting itself because the Bible records those. It is, and it would be like, okay, why does why does Paul? Uh, say that these are a worthless part oh, of scripture. Or should I say that's what it seems like it's saying? Yeah, that's right. That's what it seems like it's saying. Okay, that's the surface reading of it. You need, what you need to understand is the culture of the times and the fact that uh, both here in 1 Timothy and also Titus three nine, where he speaks about this, he is talking to Gentile churches. And Gentile churches, you're dealing with people who come from a pagan background. And for the pagans, genealogies were incredibly important. And here's the reason why. If you go back into, say, for instance, the Greek gods, your Titans and your Olympians, your Greek gods, and you look at uh, their interactions, what you're going to find is that they have significant interactions with human beings. They uh, copulate with human beings. They have children by human beings. And so you get these human beings who are part God and part human. This is kind of universal in the ancient world. The Egyptians would do the same thing in all these ancient cultures. And so if you could trace your genealogy back and find that you were a relative of Mars, then that's pretty significant. And so when they become Christians, and, and, and of course they, they, they could claim that for themselves, when they became Christians, they're like, okay, how can we trace our genealogy back to spiritual significance and they would spend endless time working on it and focusing on who they might be related to somewhere along the line rather than focusing on Jesus Christ. And Paul tells us to focus on Jesus Christ.